Mindfulness Mode 365. I think gratitude is so important because it's really easy to focus on a pain and spiral downward. Reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness right here on Mindfulness Mode with me, your host and Mindfulness Life Coach, Bruce Langford. And as always, I appreciate those of you who have subscribed to the show because that does help a lot. Today, I'll mention again that I'm a featured speaker on the wonderful Relax and Breathe Summit. It's a free summit with Zen Sensei Pompey Strader Vidal. David G is one of the speakers along with 20 other outstanding experts. The topic is calm, clarity, and focus. I would appreciate your support. It will help me if you sign up for this free summit. Plus, you will get so many tools to help you gain calm, clarity, and focus in your life. There will be two 30-minute interviews every day over an 11-day period starting on Thursday, October 11th. Just go to mindfulnessmode.com slash rab2018, standing for Relax and Breathe. Hey, and don't worry if it's a few days past October 11th. By the time you hear this, you'll still be able to take advantage of the summit. On another note, I'm hearing from a lot of you. Thank you, Mindful Tribe. Thanks for your support, especially at this time. If you've heard the last two episodes, you know I've lost lost a good friend and supporter. She passed away on October 2nd. The funeral is tomorrow. And as executor, I've done all the arrangements, contacted everyone, and will be doing more as we move forward. But... Well, she was also my ex-wife. I've mentioned that as well. We were married for, well, we were together for about 16 years and she was a good friend and we had become close at the end. I'd been helping her out. Both my wife and son and I had all been helping her out. We helped to get her on insulin back in March because her Sugar was high, she was a diabetic, and she hadn't been able to deliver her own insulin up to that point. And then we were able to get cataract surgery for her so she could get back to reading, something that she dearly loved to do, as well as watch classic movies. So I just want to take a moment and say that Darlene, my present wife, has been incredibly supportive, going way beyond what most people could imagine. So, Darlene, if you're listening, I love you. You're amazing, and just thanks. The emotional roller coaster is settling down a bit. It's been a challenging week. So, thanks again, Mindful Tribe, for sending your words of wisdom, support, and kindness. And anyone can always email me, bruce at mindfulnessmode.com. I always love hearing from you. Now let's move right into today's interview. Just sit back, relax, and enjoy my chat with the wonderful Liz Rutledge. Hey Liz, are you in mindfulness mode today? I am. It's great to have you on the line, Liz. I'm super excited to talk with you. First, I want to share a little bit about you with Mindful Tribe. Liz Rutledge has been practicing mindfulness in one form or another since she was 10 years old. 
And now she teaches mindfulness at Denver area schools. She's also in the process of earning her mindful school certificate. Liz also teaches other things like this, for instance, how to compost, how to garden, recycle, and how to participate in other sustainability activities. Like I said, she's a blogger, and she's written the blog on sustainable3.com. So you can find her at sustainable3, spell out T-H-R-E-E, Com. She's had that since 2014. She's also a freelance writer, and she dabbles in novels, editorials, and other blogs. So I can't wait to talk with you, Liz, all about mindfulness. What does mindfulness mean to you in your life? Well, mostly I, I would say it's defined as being present in a moment without judgment. But I think it's so much more than that. I think it's noticing how we feel when we walk into a room. It's being aware of words we say before we say them, what food we put in our bodies, what activities we choose to do. It's taking a moment before responding to a social media post or a text or choosing not to respond. It's taking a breath and noticing sensations in the body that are trying to tell us something. Well, it certainly is all those things for me as well, Liz. And you mentioned about activities. And I know that gardening and composting and all that is something that's important to you. And do you find those to be mindful activities in your life? Yes, absolutely. Uh, Especially, you know, pulling weeds. But I would also add to that, like, hanging clothes on the line or, like, washing dishes by hand. I find that, too. Washing dishes, like, people think I'm crazy, but I'm like, oh, I just want 10 minutes because that's kind of like a meditative experience for me, just washing the dishes and not focusing on anything else, just having a calm, quiet time to wash Mm -hmm. dishes. So I really relate to you with that. Have you always gardened? Has that always been something you loved? Pretty much, yeah. My my grandmother, mother, and I always used to go every spring on Mother's Day to the garden center. And so mm-hmm. pretty much since I was at least 12, I've, I've done like a, an annual, at least planting some flowers. And now mm-hmm. I have like a garden with vegetables and fruits and herbs and stuff. Wow, yeah. that must be great to have all those homegrown herbs and vegetables. And what are some of your favorite vegetables that you love to pick and eat out of your garden? Oh, gosh, I think my favorite would be we have raspberry canes. Mm-hmm. Those are the best. But also, um, you know, sugar snap peas off the vine are just yeah. divine. <laughs> wow, that's that's fantastic. And what kind of herbs do you love to use in your cooking and to eat on a daily basis? Oh, my very favorite is basil mm-hmm. uh, or basil. And uh, I like to also make tea out of our mint, which grows in abundance, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's just, it goes crazy, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. That's, that's fantastic. I, I love those things, although we don't have a garden really, but we just have some potted plants and things. And I've always liked to grow herbs. I like, like to grow basil and rosemary and thyme and some of those things. It's mm-hmm. just, just wonderful. And, and a lot of times we would have so much of it, we were able to dry it. And then it's great to have it throughout the year, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. I do that too. It's awesome. Now, in my intro, I mentioned that you've been mindful 
since you were a child. I want to talk about that. Tell us about a day in your life when you were seven years old. When I was seven? Yes. And, you know, was was it mindful for you then, back at that time? Um, when I was seven, the probably most mindful thing that I would do is go in the field. We lived four houses from our elementary school, and I would sit in the field. Mm. And I remember, like looking back, I remember sitting in the grass and feeling the wind on my face or, you know, picking a flower and like a dandelion and blowing the seeds mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. Um, yeah, from when I was about seven, I didn't really become aware of the breath work until I was about 10. So at 10, you were doing breath work. Tell me about that. When I was about 10, I woke up one morning. Uh, My parents had been separated and were about to start the process for getting divorced. And for whatever reason, I don't know if it was the stress of that, I woke up, I had this horrible pain in my chest Mm. and I couldn't breathe. And I went to my dad and I said, I think I'm having a heart attack. (laughs) I was eight. I was 10. Mm -hmm. I had no idea. But I grabbed the car keys. I was like, Dad, you need to take me to the hospital. I think I'm having a heart attack. And he walked me back into the house and had me lay down on the bed. And he just had me pay attention to the rise and fall of my belly. Mm -hmm. And that got me through that panic attack. And I still don't know what caused it. But that's the first memory that I have of taking that mind-body connection and saying, this thing's happening in my body, but it doesn't have to make my my mind spin out of control. Does your mind ever spin out of control today? Oh, yes. (laughs) Does it? I don't think that ever goes away. (laughs) And how do you deal with that now? Well, I... I've learned about gratitude practice and sort of like flipping it, you know? Mm -hmm. So if there's a panic or a fear, I'll try to figure out what the opposite is and try to focus on an affirmation. So if like recently I was in an airplane and the turbulence was really scary Mm -hmm. and I just started repeating in my head, I am safe, all is well, I am safe, all is well. And it's like you just fill the mind with so much of what your affirmation is. There's no space to feel afraid and breathe. Of course. <laughs> of course. <laughs> yeah. It. Yeah. And that got you through it and, and you didn't have a panic attack as a result. Yeah. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. What do you think we can do for our planet? You know, we can do things for ourselves in our own little space and in our community, but I know you also focus on doing positive things for our planet yeah um so being aware of your impact is probably Mm -hmm. job one um but i think we have to start at home so the three and sustainable three is like the levels of depth like how deep do you want to go so maybe you don't recycle maybe step one is figuring out how you can recycle in your area Mm -hmm. and maybe starting to do curbside recycling or taking recycling to a recycling center. Maybe you don't compost, but if you're fortunate like we are in Denver, you could sign up for the city compost. Um, But just trying to reduce our waste. And one thing that I do that's really simple, and it's uh, people have told me that it's inspired them. Like I'll be walking into a store, I'll have parked my car or 
put my bike in the bike rack and I'll see some litter on the ground and I'll pick up three pieces of litter Mm -hmm. and just make sure it gets to a proper, you know, receptacle. And I've had people walking up behind me and say, wow, you inspired me. And they pick up some too. And so my, what I say on my blog is like, pick up three pieces of litter and hope that 10 people see you do it, you know? And that's, I think that's a start. And then obviously choosing like, if it's less than two miles where you need to go, can you ride your bike? Can you take a bus to work? Can you walk somewhere instead of driving? Those, those sorts of things like changing our habits. Can you line dry your clothes? Um, just reducing our, our burden on the planet. Those are all such great tips. I remember one time I was stopped at a red light and I noticed, I just sat there and and the man in the car in front of me opened his window and deliberately dropped garbage out onto the street and then closed his window. And And I'm like, you know what? It wasn't the guy in front of me. It was the guy right beside me. And I just kind of looked and I thought, like, I don't believe what I'm seeing, you know, right, because right. it's just not part of what I can believe, you know, you would want to, how you would want to live. And I, I realized then I gave him some kind of a look or something. I must have, because then I was just be, probably being mindful and not even noticing. And about a minute later, um, there was a tap on my window because it was a really long red light and there was a tap on my window. And there he was, he had gotten out of his car, he had picked up the garbage and then he tapped on, on the window to show me that he had picked it up again. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. I know, I couldn't believe it. I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> because all I did was I just kind of looked, like I didn't you know, make a rude gesture or anything like that. I just thought, oh, like people actually do that, <laughs> you know? And uh, so I thought, oh, well, that's that's a positive thing. At least he, he realized that that isn't really, that isn't an acceptable behavior, you know? Yeah, that's but incredible. I love your tips, you know? Just make sure that we're all doing something for the planet. We're recycling, we're composting, we're picking up litter. We're, you know, you don't have to try to do it all at once. You don't have to try to change the whole entire world. Just start with your own space. I think that's really powerful. Tell, tell me about some of the people you've met as a result of having your blog, because that must be a powerful experience. Um... Well, it's it's interesting because uh, probably the most recent connection is in here in my neighborhood in mm-hmm. Denver. Uh, we have a street fair. This is the 40th annual street fair. And the wow. local community organization, Greater Park Hill Community, uh, has essentially looped me in to try to make it, um, to help make it with some other people who are also passionate about the environment, a mm-hmm. zero waste sustainable event. So solar power for the um, the energy for the microphones for the entertainment, and um, we'll have composting, and we've asked all like the food trucks to have compostable ware and try to minimize waste. We'll have a big tanker truck with water and say, please bring your own water bottle. We're trying to end you know the single use plastic water mm-hmm. bottle. Um, that's having probably the most impact locally at the moment, I would say. That's wonderful. I know you teach mindfulness in the schools. How did that come about, Liz? Well, I I think uh, may have told you I I 
heard about a 14 year old boy when my daughter was 12 in middle school and he had died of a drug overdose. And I, I, at the time believed it was suicide. And I went to the school counselor and I said, I want to do something. I think this is unacceptable that children are taking their own lives. It's now the number two killer of, of people between the age of, I think 10 and 19 or something. And she hooked me up to be a a mentor to a student. And then I just kept coming back and saying, what else can I do? And I ended up starting to teach mindfulness that spring. Mm-hmm. And now I'm going into my fifth year teaching mindfulness to the middle school in all different formats. Mm-hmm. But this school has now um, integrated it more to where they have a mindfulness room for mm-hmm. kids to just take a break, take a minute, you know. And I've gone into the classroom and I've gone to their morning meetings and they now do something called refocus like detention. And they're starting to do mindfulness as the refocus after school. And it's, it's not just me, it's taken a time, but I also run a mindfulness club at that school after school once a week with a friend of mine, who's also a certified mindfulness instructor. And it just gives those kids a place to, let off some steam, find their center, get some tools to help manage this life. I, I always tell them, you know, we are teaching you how to stress, but we're not teaching you how to deal with that stress. And that's where the mindfulness comes in. You've changed the dynamic of that that school. You've single-handedly changed the <laughs> dynamic. Am I right? Well, I did have help, but yes, I had lots of support from the counselors and other parents. But, but you instigated it. You got it going. Yeah, I guess I did. That's fantastic. It really is. And and tell me about working with the administration. Were they always absolutely open about it, or was there a little bit of a challenge there? How did that go? Um, they have. They were not initially. I mean, this school it, that I'm talking about is an international baccalaureate. It's a little bit more unique, not mm-hmm. super mainstream. And when my daughter first started going there, they did a mindful minute in the morning over the loudspeaker. Right. And I just went back and said, you know, a couple of years later, I was like, that doesn't really work because in the classrooms, they're ignoring it. Yeah, I think it's important to have that person in the classroom. And so I've just, you know, presented to the teachers, done sessions with the teachers, and it's just been not embraced with open arms by any means, but the drip, drip, drip approach has created it to be a little bit more open to where they're now doing a mindful movement PE class. Cause she said, we can't call it yoga or they won't come, but mm. you know um, it's taken time. And so I think the administration is more receptive than they were five years ago, but it's taken time. It does take time. Changes mm-hmm. usually do take time. <laughs> that's for sure. I think it's wonderful what you've done. What does meditation look like in your life, Liz, for you? Do you meditate? I do meditate. Um, In fact, when I don't meditate, I'm kind of a mess. Um, Mm. My meditation style varies a lot. Some Mm. days it's a five to 10 minute YouTube meditation video when I wake up in the morning. Sometimes it's sitting with my mala string and repeating an intention 108 times. Sometimes it's sitting with a singing bowl sound just playing. Sometimes it's a guided body scan. Sometimes it's a group setting where I'll go to a meditation group for 30 to 60 minutes of meditation. And sometimes, like I said earlier, it just happens when I'm hanging clothes on the line. 
or taking a walk, you know? Yeah, absolutely. How has mindfulness changed your family dynamic in your own family? Um, I think it's hardest to work with my family. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's because they see me when I'm not so mindful. Um, They're probably the most resistant, but we do... One thing that has stuck is every night at dinner, we do sort of a gratitude practice before we begin eating and we'll say what we're thankful for. We just go around the table and what are you thankful for? I'm thankful for clean air or I'm thankful for food or I'm thankful for my Xbox. And it can be anything, but it's sort of just getting them in tune with that gratitude practice. And then, you know, my my children have all tried yoga. They've all tried meditation. They've all come to my mindfulness class at the school um, but yeah, sometimes they're the most resistant. <laughs> sure. Yeah. And that's how it can be sometimes, but yeah. you know, they're noticing it, you know, years later, they'll think back and, and even if they don't actually think back, they will have been affected by it. It will have, it will be part of them. Fingers crossed. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think there's any doubt, Liz. I think it's wonderful. I think it's wonderful what you're doing. Tell me about your spiritual life. What do you, do you feel a sense of spirit? What does that mean to you? I feel a sense of spirit. Yes. Um, Wow. That's a stumper. I, so I grew up going to church Mm -hmm. and my mother's a church organist. So I have been exposed to religion my whole life. And, Mm -hmm. but my grandmother actually I think was the first one who sort of introduced me to this concept of thoughts or things mm-hmm. and sort of like the vibration. So in, in the spirit of like law of attraction or the secret, right? that's, I would say for me, what's the most um, spiritual in my life at this point is recognizing that we kind of create our own existence. We kind of create our own reality. So that's why I think gratitude is so important because it's really easy to focus on a pain and spiral downward about a pain in our back or our neck. And maybe we can go, well, why is my neck hurting? You know, and create sort of more of a sense of like gratitude that I have a neck, that I'm alive, that I have ways to make my back, my neck and back feel better. Um, and so one thing I, I wanted to mention in here is that I'm, uh, I really love Louise Hay. Yes. And her um, Heal Your Body book is sort of my go-to if I have a headache or I have Mm -hmm. a backache or something happens and I go there and I look at that affirmation. So I don't know if that's answering your question, but I think that's the closest thing I have to sort of spirituality at this point in my life. I just think it's so interesting to just chat about that, you know, to know how spirituality plays a role in different people's lives. Tell me about this. How does water Pay a, play a role in your life? Is it an important part of your mindfulness? Water. Um, well, I live in Colorado. Mm-hmm. And growing up in Colorado, we've had years when we had to be very conservative about water mm-hmm. usage. Um, so I'm aware of how important water is. I drink a lot of water to keep things flowing in my body and avoid headaches and that sort of Mm -hmm. thing. And I also use water as sort of a therapy. Like if I'm needing to feel better, I'll take a shower or a bath Mm -hmm. or go for a swim. Um, Does that answer your question? Yeah, it really does. Okay. 
It really does because water is usually an element for those of us where mindfulness is important. And I, I'm re- very interested in what you said. And of course, the Colorado River is pretty famous. Is that near you? Um, not so much in the city. I live in the city, so sure. it's not far. It's not terribly far away. Yeah. I live in the city here. Well, actually, my office, my studio was in the city, and it's on a ravine, and down at the bottom of the ravine is, is the river. Even though, So it goes right through the city, and they call it the Fork of the Thames, and it's the Thames River named after the Thames River in London, England, mm-hmm. because this is in London, Ontario, and I like to go down there and walk by the river, or just sometimes sit there and meditate by the river, and, and just think about that water and how you know it's always moving it's mm-hmm. always flowing and it's never concerned about where it's going where it's been it's just living in the present moment just as as we do through mindfulness absolutely and also i think taking a sip of water can regulate our heartbeat so if we're if we are feeling a bit stressed and panicked having a sip or two of water can it's kind of interesting it's almost like it regraces the the flow right like you're okay you know just take a sip of water and realize oh i'm okay i'm okay so water's magical it's awesome it is and sometimes i have to be reminded to drink water and i was just interviewing someone recently who told me about an app that reminds them to drink water because sometimes they forget so i think that's pretty cool have you ever been bullied or do you have a story about bullying where mindfulness would have made a difference well i i have had moments being bullied like when i was a teen i had horrible acne and was called Mm -hmm. pizza face and that was Mm -hmm. not fun but i actually have a very recent example that might be relevant to your listeners Mm -hmm. i recently made a post on social media uh, Mm -hmm. thinking that i was being helpful yeah. And I was actually bullied quite badly in the comments wow. section after making what I thought was a very positive comment. And I just sort of sat with it all day. And and instead of just reacting to the negative reactions that I received to my post or deleting my original comment, I just let it be. Mm-hmm. And I kind of thought through it. And I talked to some friends. And in the end, one of the people that was in that communication thread asked me privately, Uh, this is on Facebook, Mm -hmm. if we could talk. And I told her, you know, I'm happy to speak on the phone, but this texting back and forth thing is really not the way I'm fine. I'm feeling heard. Like, I feel like Mm -hmm. I was completely misunderstood. And she said, I totally get it. So we had a phone conversation last night, actually. Mm -hmm. And it was not easy to have the conversation because she had to tell me some things that were hard to hear. Mm. But I was so glad I did because it opened, it's like it opened up this, it opened up a dialogue where maybe if I had just deleted my comments and said, oh my gosh, these people are so hateful, I'm out. Mm-hmm. That never would have happened. So there's a space that's been created for healing and she's friended me on Facebook and she's actually going to send me a book to help me kind of understand. It was about race mm-hmm. and um, very, very misunderstood topic, I think. Um, and she coached me on how to kind of post a mindfully thought response and I posted it and then went to bed. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's incredible to me that even as a 47 year old woman, I'm having to deal with bullying, even with all the, the work I do to try to be a good influence in the world and try to be a positive influence in the world. It is incredible, isn't it? That, you know, we think, 
once we get into adulthood, maybe we won't have to deal with some of these things, but it's just changes the way we have to deal with them, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing that story, Liz. I appreciate that. Yeah. As we move forward in the interview, I want to ask you five quick answer questions. Just 30 second answers are perfect. The first one is this, who is one person who has influenced your mindfulness practice? My yoga teacher, Tina Porter. How has mindfulness affected your emotions? I am maybe able to be aware in a moment of how I'm feeling and course correct if needed. Tell us how breathing is a part of your mindfulness practice. Breathing is critical to my mindfulness practice. Like I literally have a sticker on the back of my car that says breathe. Because I think that is literally where it all is, is in the breath. True. If you could recommend a book on mindfulness, what would that be? I would recommend a book by John Kabat-Zinn called Mm -hmm. Wherever You Go, There You Are. In there, he says mindfulness provides a simple but powerful route for getting ourselves unstuck back into touch with our own wisdom and vitality. It's a way to take charge of the direction and quality of our own lives, including our relationships within the family, our relationship to work and to the larger world and planet, and most fundamentally, our relationship with ourself as a person. Isn't he great? Yes. Wow. He's just, I just love his writing because I feel like I can open any of his books at any page and just read a few sentences and it's like I've been refreshed. Mm Mm-hmm. So it's it's an amazing talent that he has, a wonderful skill. And can you share an app which helps you to be more mindful? Oh, my favorite one that I recommend to the kids and even other adults is Headspace. It's fun. Mm-hmm. It gives gentle reminders to practice mindfulness, and Andy mixes it up so you don't get bored. Right. Uh, but I also really like the Insight Timer because um, you can set a timer and have a chime gong or singing bowl sound, kick off the meditation and have chanting, music, nature sounds, or just silence in the background as you meditate. And you can set a timer so you don't have that anxiety of like, has it been 10 minutes yet? Has it been 10 minutes yet? So I have a list of them, but those are probably my two favorite. Yeah, I love that too. I love Insight Timer. Mm, awesome. Wow, it's been so fun talking with you and I can't believe how the time has gone by Liz and you're just moving forward all the time with your with your blog and and just it must be so exciting to have that following sustainable three what made you what moved you to decide to start that I I feel very deeply concerned about our planet. I think I've always been, you know, mm-hmm. green and a bit of a hippie. But um, I'll, well, I'll tell you the, the true most measurable example for me is that I grew up in Denver. Mm-hmm. When I was growing up on the west side of Denver, the brown cloud was over the tall buildings, just the tall buildings in downtown Denver. Mm-hmm. And now that brown cloud of pollution stretches from Boulder to Colorado Springs, which is a three-hour, I mean, that's t- you're talking like two, two and a half hours of driving distance between those two cities. Wow. And that's where I go, hmm, you know, yeah. this is not okay. And I've had children. I think that's probably the other motivator is that I've had children. So I'd like for the world to be a livable place for them as they grow. I totally hear you. I know that when my son was born, 
I thought, I never want him to be bullied. I want to do everything within my power to make sure that my son is never bullied. And so that's when I decided to start working in that whole area of bullying prevention. And I've worked in it for years now and done thousands of presentations and written all kinds of blog posts and everything. So, yeah, I totally hear you. I totally understand. Can we find you on social media? I know we can find you at sustainable3.com. Yeah, that's probably the best place to Mm -hmm. go first because I've got links to all the Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, Instagram, uh, social media outlets on there. On Twitter, I'm at sustain3. Mm -hmm. Um, But the rest of them are all pretty much sustainable 3 Okay. I'll put all of that in our show notes. And, you know, Mindful Tribe, you can always check out the show notes at mindfulnessmode.com. And for this episode, you can do mindfulnessmode.com and then in the search bar, just put Liz, L-I-Z, and it's Liz Rutledge. Liz, thank you so much for being here with us today. It's been awesome. Thank you, Bruce. It was a pleasure. Yeah. All the best to you. Bye now. Bye. Thanks so much for joining us today on Mindfulness Mode. For show notes for every episode, check out mindfulnessmode.com and type the guest name or the episode number into the search bar. You can also go mindfulnessmode.com slash whatever episode number you like. So again, like I mentioned at the top of the show, if you if you have an interest in signing up for the Relax and Breathe Summit, that would be fantastic. It will give you tools to find more calm, clarity, and focus. Just go to mindfulnessmode.com slash RAB2018 to sign up for this free. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you could help us out by subscribing to Mindfulness Mode wherever you listen, whether it's on iTunes or Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, so many places you can hear Mindfulness Mode. So hit subscribe and share because that truly helps our show. Till next time, Mindful Tribe, use what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.
Summit.